Hello and welcome to The Insider. I'm Lisa Adams. Welcome to our viewers, our listeners on the radio and on our podcast. Today it's all about heading back to class in Erie's public schools. So much to talk about today. My guests are Superintendent Brian Polito, Karen Ryan, who is Director of Educational Services for Erie's Public Schools, and Sherry Prater, Director of Student Services. Welcome to all of you. So let's start with the status of the major building renovations in Erie's public schools. We've just heard that Cathedral Prep will have to delay its start. What's still underway here in Erie and will things be ready for students on the first day? Well, we are going to be ready on the first day, but it is going to be down to the wire in, in several of our buildings. We have three major construction projects going on. Uh, at, we have it at Wilson Collegiate and Erie High. Uh, a lot of that work is behind the walls of ventilation type work. So they're, they're right now buttoning things up. And again, we anticipate being able to open on time. We have a little bit of video. It goes back uh, a, a bit from the Erie High construction project. This is a really big, big project outside and inside. What's all going on here if people wonder what this is about? It is. Uh, we, uh, we actually are just finishing up phase one of the construction project, uh, which really renovates the, uh, the north side of the building. The board just, uh, just recently approved the uh, continuation of phase two, which will take care of the common areas in the center, like the gymnasium, and also take care of the south side of the building. And so when we're done with this, and it's going to take probably another two years, that building will be completely renovated the first time it's, it's been renovated like that since its construction in the 1950s. So this is more than about safety or pleasant classrooms. I mean, this is really being changed to sort of fit some needs to additional parking and safety and so on. Yeah, we're, we're still focused on warm, safe and dry, but fortunately we're, we've been able to add a few extra things like the uh, parking up front. Uh, we're going to go through and take care of the parking lot in the back, which is in dire need of replacement and add some lighting for safety. And then we're also uh, going to be able to renovate the gym and bring that up to where it should be. That's, again, something that has not been done since the building was constructed. The governor recently was here. He checked out the updates at Collegiate <coughs> Academy going on. As you yes. said, that's a big project, too. But that visit was also about... Uh, the added funding coming to Erie's public schools at $18 million on top of the sustaining $14 million that you have. So how exciting is that? It's very exciting for us. This is probably the closest we're getting to equity um, that I've seen since I've been here in the district. We're still, our cost per pupil right now is still uh, in the bottom 30% uh, before we receive that funding. That's going to get us closer to average, but it's not going to get us all the way. Um, so we're still going to face challenges moving forward, but we continue to get those additional vest investments what will help us level the playing field for our students. So Wilson uh, is the focus there, mostly improving ventilation. And what about construction on the new Edison School? Is that still going to go forward? What's the timetable there? We're working on the, the planning right now. The board did approve the construction of the new building in the spring. It's going to take about a year to plan that building out. So we, we expect construction to start probably next summer uh, with uh, probably a year and a half of construction time before it's complete. So you also have a new financial uh, monitor and, and it's a local person this time in Jim Orn. Has he started and is that the key to getting out of what is financial watch status? And I mean, although you're excited that you're getting nearing equity, others are saying, you know, you're really not there yet. Right, so we, um, <clears throat> we're excited to have Jim on board. He did start this Monday. He's been working very closely with us in the Department of Education and 
uh, public financial management, our consultant, to, to evaluate where we are. Uh, we, we petitioned to get out of Financial Watch about a year ago because our projections showed that we met all the requirements to be removed. Uh, the problem was the legislation was written in such that uh, the financial administrator had to make the recommendation to the Secretary of Ed, and at that point we did not have anybody on board. So we're happy that Jim's here. Uh, certainly he needs to go through and do his due diligence to ensure that we have met all the requirements, but we do anticipate this to be a very quick process and are hoping to be out in the fall. Is it kind of exciting to have someone who's local who would have been watching this funding crisis all along? And I guess along with that question, um, I'm sure he's going to hear from some critics because we've heard it here in the news of how you're spending the money that's come because of COVID or this additional state funding. So, you know, I've heard about adding additional administrative positions instead of teachers. I've heard about a furniture selection committee. I mean, we know there's curriculum committees. So are those are those priorities that you'll be able to justify? Absolutely. I can speak to the uh, administrator and teacher hires. We've hired more teachers in the last several years, added positions. Uh, than we ever have uh, thanks to the stimulus funds and because of the additional investment from the state we're going to be able to maintain them uh, keep our class sizes lower and have those additional supports for students that aren't on grade level uh, one of the challenges that that we found over this past year uh, was we were having trouble implementing a lot of the initiatives that we were, were putting in place and as we dug into it uh, um, if you recall, when we had the financial crisis, we cut our central admin in half. Uh, so we eliminated uh, half the positions there. Uh, when we look at our central admin compared to other school districts our size, like Reading and Allentown, um, we're uh, very low. So if we had the same number of administrators as, for example, an Allentown or a Lancaster, we would have 30 more central office administrators. We, we're not going there, but we did feel the need to add a few key administrators to help Sherry uh, do the implementation, especially on the student support side. Uh, for furniture, yeah. I can certainly speak to that. Okay. Um, we're we're uh, doing a multi-million dollar renovation in our buildings. Our furniture is years old, 20, 30 years old in a lot of those buildings. It's not uncommon to see a plastic folding table as a student desk in some of our buildings. So we are going through, we're allocating some funds to go through and refresh some of that uh, furniture, the classroom furniture as we go and having a pleasant learning environment uh, makes a difference in academic outcomes? Absolutely. All right, well, it's not all about bricks and mortar or even furniture and ventilation. Some of the new funding is going to curriculum. We're gonna talk about that when we come back. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Insider. Every chair is filled for today's program. We're talking about heading back to class in Erie's public schools with Superintendent Brian Polito, Karen Ryan, Director of Educational Services, and Sherry Prater, Director of Student Services. So Karen, the last time we talked, your assessment was that students were making good progress in your view, recovering academic ground that was lost during COVID-19. So as the year went on, what did testing show? And are you, are you pleased with where you are heading into this year? Sure, so um, what we saw this year was an increase in the amount of students um, taking our state assessments. Um, we saw students begin to make rebounds. Um, in, in the elementary, we saw, especially in our early grades, um, that that recovery wasn't as quick as we might have liked. 
um, which makes sense, seeing that our third graders, when they should have been learning reading foundational skills, um, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So we, we look forward to continuing to see those scores grow forward. Um, we saw the math at the early levels um, recover quicker than what the literacy is. And, and that's kind of the same at a national level. Um, we were very excited this year to see 800 elementary students participate in six weeks of summer yeah, learning. It was marvelous. They had um, five weeks of, of a lot of academics. And then in the sixth week, they went across um, our community doing different enrichment activities, and it was really well received. So very successful programming, great, great planning um, on behalf of the supervisors and the curriculum committee that put that together. So you do have, I understand, the first new curriculum in a long time. Will that be applied as soon as the new school year starts here? How did you select it? How is it different than what you've had and how important Sure. So we have um, refreshed a lot of curriculum over the last number of years. This year we're, we're really going to work to partner to support schools differently in the implementation. And then um, we also have curriculum refresh in uh, some of our AP courses and world language courses this year. So that will be new um, moving forward into to this school year. So when you talk about refreshing the curriculum, is it physical books and materials? Is it digital interactive stuff or a philosophical approach to teaching or all of the above? I, it's all of the above. Um, what we want to make sure is that we're applying um, best practices in teaching and that our materials align to that best practice and, and our teachers understand that. Um, the materials come in concrete forms, digital platforms, um, manipulatives and different kinds of resources. So really this is just updating what we had um, to you know, this new age where technology is readily available to our teachers and students. I know in summer school you were trying to do sort of more hands-on type of stuff. Is that something that you will carry into the school year? Does that prove to be successful? Absolutely. We, we want our kids engaged and, and students that are engaged are engaged in discourse, they're in, engaged in, in problem solving, um, you know, they're, they're collaborative with their peers. So we want to make sure that, that our students are highly engaged with, with the, the materials. And the materials, are they being refreshed from elementary through high school? And how do you evaluate if it's working, if it's flowing properly from the little kids into the middle kids to the highs? Sure. So we started with a curriculum refresh cycle at the elementary level and kind of moved into middle school and high school. Um, we have assessment pieces in place to help us kind of gauge how well that's going. And we also have some partnerships this year um, with uh, our, our professional learning to really get in and um, make sure that that we're implementing with some integrity so that you know the materials are being um, actualized in our classrooms with our kids. We hear a lot about teacher shortages or teachers teachers leaving um, they just don't want to do it anymore um, so what's the status are your teachers younger newer are they excited about what they're doing <laughs> not burned out I mean how how does that work across sure. the scheme I think in Aries public schools we're blessed we have wonderful educators our, our teachers are dedicated um, we have a, a, a blend of folks that are veteran and a, a blend of folks that are new um, you know the teacher shortage is real across our country um, we're working really hard at the district level to provide support to our new teachers through a new induction program and a mentor program because we know that if folks feel supported in their work, they're more apt to stay in the profession and, and that's just something that we're really concentrating on. How does the curriculum you're using um, compare to what's going on in other districts statewide? I mean, I remember at one time 
you know, a focus on trying to get an urban-focused curriculum. Do you do that now, or is it universal? Sure. So uh, what we want is a, a curriculum that's aligned to our state standards um, and is also, you know, aligned to best practices and represents um, the students that we serve. We've, we've really worked hard to make sure that students are able to see themselves in our curricular materials, and, and as we work through, I'm sure that we'll look to, to continue that, that piece. Um, but kind of a starting point for our curricular materials adoptions is that they are, are well vetted and, and are what we call aligned to Ed Reports, which is a, a nonprofit that actually um, rates and judges the effectiveness of curriculums before folks even start to choose and adopt. I know you wanted to think of summer school as not as not remediation, not to say you have to go to summer school because you didn't do well enough. And really the idea of moving kids on to the next grade, even if they had had a, a difficult year. So um, will that continue, that, that sort of thinking? And how do you catch up these, these little ones who you know, fell behind on reading because of the pandemic? Is that something they can bounce back to quickly? I think across the board, whether they're our kindergarten kids or our high school kids, we're always looking to push kids um, to accomplish the grade level standards for which they set. And so we have to be very strategic in making sure that we maintain high expectations while providing the appropriate scaffolds for them to have access and keep growing forward. A um, lot of research on the fact that remediation doesn't work, acceleration works. So how do we accelerate kids to um, the grade level standards for which they sit and beyond? I don't know if you have the stat at your fingertips, but how big um, is, is the district now? I know Erie has lost population, so about how many students uh, and about how many faculty? Uh, we're, we're at about uh, 10,000 students. It's, it's looking like it's going to remain pretty steady this year. I think a lot of that is because of the, in, the increase in the immigration uh, in the area recently. Uh, the number of uh, staff we have is floating a little above 1,200, and we have right now over 800 of those as teachers. And the immigration, of course, uh, bringing challenges in and of itself with perhaps language barriers for kids and for their parents. We have so much more to talk about. We know some of the biggest obstacles to learning last year didn't have to do with the outdated curriculum, uh, but the social and emotional challenges that students were facing, and we're going to talk about that when we come back. Stay with us. Lisa Adams, welcome back again to The Insider. Today it's all about heading back to class in Erie's public schools with Superintendent Brian Polito, Karen Ryan, Director of Ed Services, and Sherry Prater, Director of Student Services. So we, even in the news media, heard repeatedly last year the kids were different, Sherry, even good students having behavioral issues. So was that across all age groups? And, and do you blame it on COVID? Do you blame it on maybe family economic issues? What, what were the factors that were making things harder for teachers and kids last year. I think that one of the things that the district has come to realize is that we are continuing to feel the impact of COVID, not only on our, our students, but on their families in the community. And so having all that blend of all of those factors really required us to focus on the kinds of student supports that our students would need to be um, successful in school. And so wrapping 
um, those supports around the students as well as their families became a major initiative of the district where we laid that foundation throughout this school year in regards to the supports coming into the school, whether it is through our community schools our other district supports that we provided on our own as well as the programming through our student assistance program and the implementation of our positive behavior intervention support program through all of our schools. So the last time you were here, you talked about some of those very things, the new initiatives you made to have more school to home interaction, mm -hmm. uh, but I also know some of the funding, the new funding that's coming this way is helping to restore student services, counselors, and so on. So what are those services? What's, what's the price tag of that, and is it invaluable in your opinion? I don't know the actual price tag, but I can tell you that those support services are very valuable to our students and our families. We have been able to expand case management services with a partnership with Safe Harbor within almost all of our buildings this year. We are continuing to look to expand those support services in a few more buildings. We have completely expanded um, behavioral health supports within our buildings and all of our buildings do have a mental health specialist assigned to the building where they will be stationed in the building at least parts of the week for whole days to provide support services. I don't want to dwell on this but I know all of these troubles kind of were punctuated by the shooting at Erie High. So how did that impact not just the students and the teachers there but but really all across, across the district? Um, it made us rethink how we need to align our support services in our individual buildings um, from what case managers should be doing, what our behavior interventionists, pulling in guidance, counseling, support services as well. So I worked really hard to take a hard look at all of those support services and make some decisions around what types of supports they should be offering our students and the role that they play within our schools to be proactive in addressing and, prom and promoting those supports as well. So Sherry's kind of talking about the heart of it, but you mm -hmm. also had to, you, you were going to say. Oh, we, we, have, we were funding all those supports through the stimulus funds, and uh, prior to, to this budget year, we weren't sure we were going to be able to continue them. But thanks to the increase in subsidy this year, we are uh, going to be able to do that and are committed to continuing to provide those supports to our students and their families. Okay, so adding then metal detectors is, you know, there's the emotional piece of it, but adding metal detectors is something that you did in response to that incident, although you were talking about it be before. So talk about doing that. I know you started with a high school in the middle school, but there was a, an appeal to have it for elementary um, teachers and kiddos as, as well. So will it be everywhere when kids go back this year? Uh, uh, this year we're still sticking with the secondary level. Um, it did go very well last year. We were able to uh, by the end of the year get get the students in in about 20 minutes with the process we had in place uh, that's going to continue this year at the, the the middle and high school level uh, the the incident in the area high also did uh, cause us to accelerate some of the implementation on the safety um, <coughs> safety 
uh, items throughout the district. We, uh, we did start at Erie High, obviously, because we felt we needed to address some of those concerns first, but we uh, we're right now going through all the buildings. Um, we're, we're pulling together a package to put uh, alarms on all the exterior doors. Uh, we had the state police go through every one of our buildings and do a, a threat assessment, and we have those reports and are currently evaluating those. It's, it's my goal to, to compile all those recommendations into a safety and security upgrade district-wide that we'll bring to the school board for consideration in the fall. So um, how much, uh, Sherry mentioned it, but how much does the United Way Community Schools Initiative help with all of this, uh, you know, the safe uh, walking routes to school, the walking school bus, now these colorful murals, but just having a community schools rep inside each building. And that's something that you don't have to pay for, right? Yeah, they're, they're a critical partner of ours in the, in the district. And uh, with the stimulus funds, we were able to expand that to all of our schools except for Erie High. Um, this year, so we're, we're excited about uh, continuing to grow that out. I know that's been one of Sherry's major initiatives is to onboard all those uh, additional uh, community schools directors and it's, it's going to be great to have the same consistent type of supports in all of our buildings so that our families can take advantage of it. All right, time is ticking away here. When we come back, we're going to have some final tips for families heading back to school. Stay with us. All right, welcome back. It's all about heading back to school in Erie's public schools. Sherry, you wanted to add that you do have community schools in all the district schools now? Yes, we um, finally um, onboarded our last three schools. So all of our um, K elementary schools and middle schools are now full um, service community schools to be able to come in and assess what the needs of not only the students in that building and that family have, but also the needs of the community that they service around the school to have an impact. So we're down to about the last couple minutes here. Starting back is always an adjustment for kids and for their parents. So Karen, as an educator, what are the main things that families should remember? Sure, so the first thing is if, if you're new to our area or you have a kindergarten or pre-K child and you haven't already enrolled them, please visit our, our website um, and you, or you can make an appointment at the central office building to get your children enrolled for the school year. Um, I think right now, just getting kids back into a routine of bedtimes, um, you know, getting into bed early. If your child hasn't been reading throughout the summer, get them, get them reading, get them, you know, get back into the flow of, of you know, a little bit more structure because, you know, coming. that's coming. Mm -hmm. And you do have open houses planned for all the schools? It's uh, next Wednesday, uh, August 24th. We have the elementaries from 4.30 to 6.30, uh, the middle schools from 5 to 7, and high school from 6 to 8. And how important as the year goes along from that first day to the whole year is parent involvement? It's crucial. Um, the partnerships and, and the collaboration that we have with families really um, can, can do such significant um, assistance for their children. Um, we we want to have great partnerships and, and we want we want to have our parents involved with, with their child and, and their teacher and their school. If parents have any questions um, about you know what their backpack should be like or which school or which teacher, is it best to go to the website or stop into their school? I think it's best to start with their school but uh, certainly they can uh, 
go to the website, there's a ton of resources on there, especially on our homepage. We have a lot of information about back to school, and certainly they can always call a central office and we can get them hooked up with somebody that can help. And of course, they can visit those open houses as well. Sherry, Karen, Brian, thank you so much for being with us. As always, thank you for joining us on The Insider. If you have an idea you'd like us to explore, just email me at ladams at erienewsnow.com and join us again next time for The Insider.